It is the eve of Mets baseball. Finally, after 134 days without sports and almost 300 days since the Mets last played a game, the Mets are back tomorrow. On the line with me, as always, with another edition of the Born at 87 podcast, Mr. Adam Goodstone. I'm so excited to have live sports. It's just so hard to be excited given what just happened to them. Um, I know this is probably a lot of people's first time listening to our podcast where we talk about our terrible teams, the Knicks, Mets, and Jets. Um, I guess if you're a fan of the Knicks, Mets, and Jets, you're, you're not always expecting to be inspired <laughs> and happy and because ex- you know how bad they are. But man, it sucks to go into the season on this note, right? Ugh. Yeah, it, it, it's not great. Um, so we're, we're at least going to keep part of this positive. So... Uh, if you listen to our first couple of episodes of the Born in 87 podcast, you heard that we did a Mets season preview. So today we're going to briefly talk about the big news that just came about. That's the fact that Marcus Stroman and Robert Gazelman are going to begin the year on the DL. And then we're going to go into three things we like or that we're excited about for the season and three things we don't like and are not excited about for the season. So what, I mean, first off, the Marcus, this news, just no other way to put it, it sucks. You you missed a very exciting part. We're also going to do prop bets. Everybody loves prop bets. So we're going to end with prop bets. Yes, we're going to, sorry, we are going to end with very, with prop bets, which you may or may able to, may or may not be able to find in Vegas. Maybe. (laughs) All right, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, so uh, so we hear that Marcus Stroman, the guy who unquestionably was going to be the number two starter for the Mets, is out with a calf tear, which is a really bad injury, uh, especially in a season that's only going to be sixty games. I mean, me and you, we've we've we used to run track, we've played sports our whole life, and I think we both know that uh, calf injuries are tricky. It's one of the hardest parts of the body to it's one of the hardest things to play through when your calf isn't right uh you know especially for a pitcher like Marcus Stroman who uses his legs so much to get the power behind him especially since Marcus Stroman is not a big man this is a very troublesome injury uh and given how short this season is going to be I think the Mets basically have to prepare for a season without Marcus Stroman unfortunately but then that leads to the big question, uh, who is going to take the place of Stroman in the rotation? Well, so it's not Gazelman because he is also in the injured list. And it's, I mean, it seems unlikely that it would be Lugo who would be the first person you think of. Um, but I don't think either one of us is probably in favor of that. We, we're not big Edwin Diaz lovers here, and we think he's probably going to end up as their closer. And there's, it's a short season. There isn't a ton of time to stretch him out. Did you do you think of anyone else? So I'm glad you brought up Lugo. So I I was listening to WFAN this morning and they were all on the oh, you got to make Lugo the fifth starter. Uh, This is something that he's wanted. He might get super motivated to do this. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you, though, after thinking about it, that I don't think that that's a move that they should do. Uh, Another thing which isn't being brought up is that uh, 
two of the other Mets relievers, Brad Brock and Jared Hughes, a guy they signed, I think about a month ago. Jared Hughes has been in the majors for about 10 years, always been a really good reliever. Neither of these guys are on the active roster. The Mets uh, earlier today announced their active roster, their opening 30-day roster. Neither of them are there. Uh, the reason why Jared Hughes that is has not been there is undisclosed, but uh, given what's going on in the world, if he's not there... You have to question if he'll ever be there, um, given... Well, you might have to wait to... two weeks. That's possible, too. Uh, Brad Brock, I was seeing on Twitter that his wife just gave uh, birth to twins, and therefore, uh, I believe that is the reason why he has not been there. But again, that's another question. If you have two little babies at home... Maybe he doesn't want to be around so many people pitching baseball, so that could be another arm that the Mets are down this season. And I think you now look with no Gazelman, no Brock, no Hughes, at least no Brock and no Hughes to start the season, you're really looking at it as your only guys now in the bullpen at the, to start the season. It's Diaz and Familia, who were not good last year, but Tansis, who I think pitched in one game last year, Justin Wilson and Hunter Strickland, who and Hunter Strickland's been a good pitcher for the Giants in the past, but he was another guy that wasn't particularly good last year. Uh, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence, and I think for those reasons, you need to keep Lugo in the bullpen. As far as who's going to be that fifth starter spot, I don't know. Maybe it's a work in progress. One guy I know you've been high on, David Peterson, uh, did not make the 40-man roster. So I don't know if he's going to be the guy. Maybe they move him on thinking that he doesn't have to be there till the fifth day of the season. But uh, I think they just try out one of the young guys and hope to catch lightning in a bottle. One thing we remember four years ago in 2016, the Mets had so many injuries to their starting staff. DeGrom was out, Mats was out, Harvey was out. And they were pretty much down to just Syndergaard and Bartolo. And Lugo and Gazelman at that year stepped in and helped lead them to that wild card game. And I think in this short season without a lot of options, I think the Mets' best option is just hoping that one of these young guys that we don't know that well, whether it's you know Corey Oswalt or David Peterson or somebody else, can step up and you know give them four to five serviceable innings, one you know each time through the rotation. Yeah, I'm surprised that Walker Lockett didn't make the the 30-man roster, and I'm surprised that David Peterson didn't make the 30-man roster. Um, Well, the thing that's surprising with Peterson, he didn't even make the 40-man roster, which means it really doesn't seem like he's in the Mets' plans, at least not in the immediate future. Yeah, I mean, it's surprising. His minor league numbers are good. The organization was talking him up. Um, It seemed like he's the kind of player who projects well to the major leagues. Uh, maybe they think they can do a four-man rotation for a while. I mean, they're only going to be pitching. They're only playing sixty games. Um, it's not the normal start of the season where it's easier to just have four starters because there's so much time off in between games. You're only pitching. You know, you're only playing every like five or six days instead of every day. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it's not good. Um, maybe they don't think it's going to last that long. I mean, they say they're considering him week to week. They're not considering him day to day, but it's a tear. It's not a strain. So that would make you think that he's out for, I mean, neither one of us are doctors. I'm not going to guess, but it, it seemed like it'd be a very long time. Um, but see, I'm glad that we're in agreement. You don't want to weaken your bullpen. Your bullpen might be a strength and you may actually be more reliant on it now. If you have not as good starting pitching, and you have to go to them earlier. Um, and I think they're more likely to overwork their bullpen in the shorter season, knowing that they're only going to pitch, uh, they're only going to play 60 games rather than trying to put a starting pitcher out there who's not very good. Yeah. It's not, it's not also, great. 
It's not great, but also another thing that's become more popular in baseball is, you know, the so-called bullpen game, and maybe that is something the Mets can turn to, you know, in this short 60-game season, maybe 11 or 12 times this year they do that. I think we just have to wait and see, but uh, enough, enough talk about the uh, Mets bullpen. Let's Let's lighten the mood for a little bit and uh, talk about three things that uh, we're excited about or three things we like going into this season. Uh, some of these a little more obvious than others. And number one I want to talk about is that Mickey Calloway is no longer the manager of the New York Metropolitans. I am excited to see Louis Rojas. He comes from a good baseball family. But more than being excited that Louis Rojas is the manager, I am so excited that Mickey Calloway is not the manager. Uh, you can attest to this. Early in 2018, I was on the uh, in the camp that Mickey Calloway was just awful and the Mets had to get rid of him. I think a lot of people year one were like, oh, he's a first-year manager. He's got to figure it out. I never liked the guy. I thought some of his decisions from very early on in that 2018 season were completely insane. He was completely over his head. And I think it's been a little understated just how much uh, this team may improve just not having this buffoon in the dugout. And I know you've always been really high that you think that Familia is going to bounce back now that uh, Callaway is not the one deciding when he comes in and when he's leaving. I have a question for you, Justin, since this yes. is probably a lot of people's first time listening to our podcast. Can you, I know I'm, we didn't prepare for this. What were your two least favorite Mickey Callaway moments? The two moments where you thought Mickey Callaway screwed it up as badly as he possibly could. Cause I mean, you've been going on and on for a couple of years now about all these crazy, horrible decisions he made. What do you think was the most egregious decisions he's made? I mean, it, it is hard to, uh, to pinpoint specific things, especially when you're putting me on the spot like that. But, uh, okay, one thing that I uh, that certainly comes to mind, and th- these are two examples of from games that I was at. Uh, I guess this would have been a game in 2018 where uh, there was a spot where I think like three spots down the line, the Mets had the uh, the pitcher spot coming up. And the only two players left in the Mets bench were Jose Reyes and Ty Kelly. Now, 2018 Jose Reyes is certainly not 2006 Jose Reyes, but he's a guy with a ton of major league experience. And there becomes a spot in the inning where the Mets need a pinch runner. Mickey Calloway decides to pinch run Jose Reyes. And lo and behold, later that inning, with the bases loaded and the Mets having the tying run at third and the winning run at second... Ty Kelly has to come up. Does Ty Kelly come through with a hit? Of course not. Would would Jose Reyes have come up with a hit? Probably not, but you at least have to be forward-thinking enough to realize that the pitcher spot is coming up in a few uh, spots in the order. And in a situation like that, save someone that you know is at least a major league hitter, not a guy like Ty Kelly who... We've seen bounced up and down from AAA a million times. And then the other thing, this is just more of a general thing that always annoyed me so much with Mickey Calloway is he would bring pitchers in, uh, you know, to pitch to one or two batters with their spot coming up. And just so many times, and of course I'm bringing up two things that wouldn't have been relevant this season because there's going to be a DH, but it just never seemed like he knew how to make a double switch. Uh 
that always bothered me. Now that you got me going on this rant, though, I got to think of two other things. One, the famous two thing. Two other that... things. Keep it quick, Justin. This is a short podcast. We want to keep things moving. <laughs> uh, the time he messed up the lineup card and cost the Mets a run. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's something that should not. Uh, that's something that certainly uh, should never happen. And uh, oh my god, now I'm just drawing a blank on the other thing that. That's fine. That was three things. So I think for our listeners, the important message is Justin has an encyclopedic memory for all things sports. So if you if you want to reminisce for some of your favorite Met Jet Nick moments, he's the guy to to remember. That was that was impressive. We didn't we didn't plan that. Um, I I don't know anything about Louis Rojas except for he came up in the organization, and he's not Carlos Beltran. Who uh, and he's part of the Alou family. He's part of the Alou family, and he's not Mickey Calloway. So I and there's less important decisions he'll have to make. Um, the game has been simplified a bit. Bullpen management's been simplified a bit. Um, and then I, I think just in the aggregate, not having Mickey Callaway make all these little mistakes will benefit them. And in a 60-game season, every moment's going to be important. Every win's important. You can't make little mistakes along the way. So hopefully he, he's the guy and he'll be better than what we were dealing with. Uh, could not agree more. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just really happy to not have Mickey Calloway as the manager anymore. He was clearly in over his head and yeah, go, go Louis Rojas. Go uh, Louis so Rojas. number two, so number two of things we're excited about, we're excited to see Pete Alonso, the superstar. I think it's very easy to forget that just 16 months ago, the talk was, will Pete Alonso even make the New York Mets coming out of spring training? Their general manager made some moves that uh, would have, us believe that he didn't think he was going to make the roster. He seemed to like block his way onto the team. I don't, I don't know if they were expecting him to be quite as good as he was. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they thought he was going to be this good. I mean, you kept talking, oh, this is a real competition between Alonzo and Dom Smith, and not to disparage Dom Smith, but I mean, we don't need to go through the numbers. Pete Alonzo was oh freaking is, awesome last OPS year. OPS was nine forty one when he hit fifty four home runs, set the NL rookie record. It's, it's got to talk about he the stats shattered a the Mets. Bit. He shattered the the Mets record. The Mets record for homers in a season was forty one. Uh, he hit well over fifty last year. Fifty four, fifty four, which is crazy. Uh, and but the thing is, it's it's with Pete Alonzo. It's not just the numbers with this guy he's clearly become the emotional and uh charismatic leader of the team he started the lf gm chant last year when the mets were trying to fight to get their way uh into the wild card race i mean mean, this guy is a big he's he's a really big personality i i kind of feel like he's the biggest position player star they've had since piazza and that's not to say that they haven't had really good players obviously they had Carlos Beltran and David Wright and Jose Reyes, but I don't feel like any of those guys had the, you know, the massive personality like this guy does. Like he's a star, I feel like beyond what he does. So Delgado wasn't a star in New York the way he was in Toronto, but I think you're missing just how big of a star that guy was in baseball for a while. So he was on the back end of his career. He was still very good for the Mets, and he wasn't like a cultural phenomenon. But Carlos Delgado was like a superstar baseball player for a while. But I understand oh, what you're saying, and you're and you're right. Yeah, and I and I'm and I'm keeping this specifically to position players because they've definitely had star pitchers. I mean, Pedro when he first came to New York was a huge deal. Al uh, Leiter was awesome. I love me some Al Leiter. I, I love forget Al about Leiter. how good Al Leiter was. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he was at the star level of some of these other guys, but Al Leiter was awesome. Uh, probably pitched the best game in the history of the franchise in that 1999 uh, wildcard uh, wild tiebreaker game against Cincinnati. Um, obviously, what did I say? Oh, Pedro, obviously, R.A. Dickey won a Cy Young here. Matt Harvey, when he first came up, was oh, a huge lightning deal. in a bottle. And now you've got. Jacob deGrom, who, again, is a more quiet and reserved guy, but has just become a star just because of his overwhelming dominance on so, the mound. No, I, I think I'm playing the the half the glass half empty guy today, but I love Pete Alonso. His minor league numbers wouldn't suggest that he was going to be like one of the you know top five hitters in baseball. I want this to continue, but there is part of me that's worried that it won't. So every part of my body is like, God, please just be... The guy you wore last year, like even just like a little worse would be fine. But I am I am worried that he's not going to play at that level again. I don't have any reason to believe that. I want him to be good, but you got to be a little concerned. There's got to be a little like like a little voice in your head that's like nagging at you, like ah, oh, please, please, just don't you know don't let this be a one year thing, which we've seen before. We've been tormented by players before, Justin. You mentioned Matt Harvey. We thought he was going to be like the best player you and I had ever seen for the next 12 years. We I remember us talking about his contract situation, figuring how long he was under contract. Like He just ended up being bad and getting hurt, and they could still pick him up right now if they wanted. They're not. Um, so let's, let's hope that's not Pete Alonso. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's move on to number three. And number three is Ken. And again, this is, again, something... This I don't know how much this actually plays into how good the team is going to be. Because even if this guy is bad, I still certainly think they could be good. But one thing I'm certainly excited to see is, can Cespedes be awesome again? And one thing this kind of reminds me of is five years ago when the Mets got to the World Series, they bring in Cespedes in late July, and for three months he was awesome and just completely carried the team. And you're kind of in that spot again. Like I feel like you almost have to look at this season as... You're tied for the division lead 102 games into the season. And if you're in a spot in a regular season where, or in a normal season where you're tied for a division lead 102 games in, you're going all in to try to win a pennant. And that's essentially, I mean, granted, everybody in baseball is in that spot, but that's essentially where you are. And can Cespedes be awesome for the next two months or three months if they make the playoffs? Uh, that's exciting to see. You've heard great things out of camp. Uh, Pre-pandemic back in February, Cespedes made the ballsy move of putting the uh, the hype video out there saying, uh, don't doubt me. Then all of a sudden, they changed the rules totally in his favor, uh, putting a DH into the National League, meaning he never has to play the field. Uh, again, maybe Cespedes is 35, well, he is 35 years old, but maybe he's over the hill and washed up but i'm i'm excited to see if contract year cespedes in this short 60 game spurt can be really awesome again so my my only quibble is you say can uh cespedes and alonzo be the slugging one-two punch you know the best since carlos and carlos so in cespedes 25 year uh 2015 year he hit uh 42 home runs between detroit and the mets and then in 2016, when he was an all-star, he hit 31 home runs. You know how many home runs Michael Conforto had last year? Over 30, right? 33. And he, you know, I would say he, he wasn't at his best last year, and he was hurt a little bit. I I have my, I think the way this team makes the playoffs is Cespedes is really good, but he's not their second best hitter, or maybe even third best hitter. Conforto takes the next, the next step forward. Davis takes the next step forward, and so does McNeil. McNeil hit 23 home runs last year. It's easy to forget. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that... Even if Cespedes is awesome, that he's their second best hitter. I hope he's not, because yeah. that means that the team isn't as good as I was hoping they would be. 
Yeah, although I think you could certainly make the argument that it seemed like balls were flying out of the ballpark at a much higher rate in 2019 than they were in 2015 and 16. But it is a fair point that Conforto could easily uh, be that guy, and maybe it's not Ioannis Cespedes. But I do think, then if you want to say then one thing I'm excited to see, between those three guys, two of them could become that punch that we saw with Carlos and Carlos in 2006. Because I remember that just being so much fun. Beltron that year hit 41 homers. Delgado hit 38. How many did Wright hit that year? It was in the 30s. It probably was. Wasn't that the year that Wright was in the home run derby? It might have been. I remember That was an awesome lineup. Yeah, it really was. And I, that was, I thought, the best Wright ever was. Because I remember that year they had Beltron 3, Delgado 4, and Wright 5. And I always thought Wright 5th in the lineup was the best spot for him. but Yeah, and that was uh, the, uh, because the, of deteriorating the best, te- the best second hitter just, in uh, my recent memory I always thought was LaDuca. He just always got on base and always moved the runner. Yeah, that, I love that guy. Yeah, that 2016, it's a shame that team fell short and they had the pitching injuries in the playoffs because that lineup just fit together so, like one through five especially, that lineup just fit together so well. It was perfect. All right, let's keep things moving. So we're going to move into the three things we don't like and are not excited about. Uh, so why don't yeah. you do number one? All right, so this is something I don't think people are talking about at all, and it definitely scares me, is that the early season schedule is not very favorable for the Mets. So the Mets play seven of their first 11 games against Atlanta, and uh, the Mets have always struggled with Atlanta over the years. They've always been a thorn in the Mets' side, I think even more than the Nationals and Phillies. Um, if you look at the numbers last year, they definitely backed that up. So last year, the Mets went 8-11 and against Atlanta, but uh, the Mets swept a three-game series against Atlanta, the final three games of the season when Atlanta had already locked in their playoff position. So if you look at the 16 games that really counted, the Mets went 5-11 and against the Braves. That's a really bad record. And the fact that they have to play Atlanta seven times in the first 11 games, it just scares me, especially now you've got this uneasiness about what's going on in the bullpen. There's no Stroman, there's no Gazelman. And it scares me that the Mets could go like two and five in those games. And not that being three games back of Atlanta 11 games into the season would be some sort of a death sentence, but uh, three games back 11 in this season would be a lot worse than in your standard 162 game season. Sorry, I got distracted. Um, my cat's trying to get into the wall. We have this cabinet that uh, has our uh, the shutoff valve for our house, and if you open up the cabinet, you just get in the wall. And my cat, cat, cats have been just breaking into the wall and living inside our wall, probably eating things they're not supposed to. So I got distracted. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, their their early season schedule might not be favorable, but there's so many good teams in their division. The whole schedule is not particularly favorable to them. They have to be they have to beat good teams, um, and. I, I'm a little pessimistic today, and I'm questioning how how good they'll be. The injury bug's already started, and we in the past that once that bug gets going, it, it doesn't really stop. So let let's hope this is different. But they're gonna have to beat really good teams the whole way through. They they're very few bad teams that they play, and they're not gonna be able to just pad their schedule like they have in the past. That is fair. I just I just do worry that if they were to get off to some disastrous start, if they started like three and eight or four and seven, uh, you just don't want a situation where they're mathematically still very much in it, but guys start to become disengaged because all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, we're 15 games in, we're only five and ten, and oh, it's like oh the season feels like the it's season's over almost over. We're a and of the way, yeah. Two of our top three pitchers are out. Yeah. So so, uh, hopefully that will not be the case. Hopefully they can hold their own against Atlanta. Um, I mean the one positive about that is that they'll play Atlanta seven of the first eleven games, and that means 
After that point, they'll only have to play three more games against Atlanta, who I, I think is the, you know, is their biggest threat in the division. Don't get me wrong; I think Washington and Philly are good teams, but I think Atlanta is a cut above everybody else. And Fangraphs and, and most experts would agree with you. Not that either one of us could probably name like the whole roster in Atlanta. We are experts in Mets baseball and not anyone else's baseball. But I know they got some good players, and everyone thinks they're good. Yeah. So let's let's move on to the second thing that we're not so excited about. This season, and uh, one thing we are a little worried about is that uh, will will the Mets be too cute with the lineup? Uh, one thing we saw the Mets played a pair of exhibition games this past weekend against the Yankees, and not that I would ever put any sort of stock into the win loss result of an exhibition game. Uh, the Mets lost both of these games, but one thing we did see in these two exhibition games is that in each game, Cano hit third. Um, and I'm personally a bigger Cano defender. Than most, I, I think you know if you really look at it, he was better than people realized last year. And um, good in the second half of the season, right before he got hurt, he was showing a lot of indications that he was turning into the Cano of old. Yeah, and as far as you know, one thing we were just talking about before about you know if they were to get off to a slow start, um, keeping team morale up. Um, Cano is definitely one of those guys to keep the morale up. The teammates absolutely love this guy. Uh, one thing you saw last year, I remember when Cano was out for a couple weeks when he had uh, that injury, you saw him on like the top step cheering the guys on every game. Uh, his teammates absolutely love him. So, you know, he certainly should be out there playing every day. But I think at this stage of his career, he should be lower in the order, uh, hitting like sixth or seventh. And the other thing I just hope where they don't get like super cute is... I think part of the reason they had him third is now with this new rule that relievers have to come in and pitch to at least three guys. If you can, I get the idea of wanting to go lefty-righty, lefty-righty, lefty-righty in your lineup if you have the ability to do that. Yeah. But I, I also don't think you should sacrifice what is your best lineup against the starting pitcher in order to get cute. I can understand not wanting to put lefties together because... So I could understand maybe if they don't want to like hit McNeil and Conforto 1-2 because they don't want back-to-back lefties and, you know, giving other teams relievers an advantage in a situation where you have to, uh, you have to uh, pitch to those guys. So- sorry, I just um, paused there for a second. I just got an alert on my phone. Uh, so one thing we just talked about was the early season uh, schedule not being, uh, uh, you know, with the bets and... Um, well, not that it's going to affect their um, early season uh, schedule against Atlanta, but one of their biggest uh, rare you get to sorry rare you get to break news on a podcast. But I just saw on my phone that Juan Soto has uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, you know, obviously, you never hope for injuries, and we wish him a speedy recovery. But um, that's obviously a huge blow to the Nationals because um, he you know could be out for a considerable amount of time. Uh, sorry, just saw that on my phone and it threw me there for a second. And I've been battling uh, with my cat and once again is trying to break into the wall. Um. <laughs> well, I, I think what we've seen with... I, so neither one of us are epidemiologists. Neither one of us want to start playing COVID doctors. So hopefully, we've seen that guys, a lot of baseball players, base, basketball players, football players recover pretty quickly. Um, not everybody does. It's a very serious illness. So hopefully he's okay. And honestly, hopefully he comes back soon. Um, even if it's beneficial for the Mets or not to come back. But, yeah, and as you've said, their biggest threat in the division is probably Atlanta. Uh, so yeah. they're going to have to win games know- against good good teams, and hopefully once yeah, we- gets back qu- quickly. Yeah, and we already know the Nationals don't have Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross this season. Ryan Zimmerman's uh, been, you know, poopy for a while now. That's not a big blow to, to the Nationals. 
Maybe. I mean, he, I mean, he is their leader. I think he's been on the team since they were the Expos. He's super old. He's not good. That doesn't matter. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman, get out of here. Justin, are you being they serious have, with have this World Cano Series batting third in an exhibition game? Who cares? It's exhibition baseball. It doesn't no, matter. No, no, no. But the, the, the whole point is, though, is I, I don't it want was them very to be good analysis. I like, I like the analysis, but like, I just, I we just don't want know anything to put about the best. Louis Rojas. Who knows what he's going to do? It's He's batting third in an exhibition game. Maybe we want them. Be, I don't know. I think we you're making a big to put deal. Put the about best nothing. lineup out there. I want to see Alonzo and Cespedes hit back to back, and I don't care that they're both right-handed hitters. All right, the that's stat, enough. Of... The stat nerds would tell you you're overthinking the lineups. It, I want the Mets to be good. The thing I'm not excited about is that two of their best pitchers are not going to play for a while, and one of them not the whole season, and they're already getting injured. That's what I'm not excited about. So the probably third... two of them the whole season. Ugh. No, Strom will be back. Anyways. So the third thing we're not excited about is Edwin Diaz. You don't like him. Um, you don't like him a lot. You have a lot of very long rants about Edwin Diaz. I mean, it's just as simple as he was bad. He was bad in all situations. He blew lots of saves. He gave up lots of runs. He wasn't as good as the two years before that. I think the stat nerds out there are very excited for Edwin Diaz. They think he's going to bounce back because usually people go back to a baseline and he, you know, they see his last year as an outlier. I think, I don't want to speak for you, but you don't see it as an outlier. I think you think there's something wrong in his head. I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I want him to be better, but I don't have a lot of hope. So I think that going into the 20, as you know, I thought going into the 2019 season, they should not have brought... Mickey Callaway back. I thought it was insulting to Mets fans that they brought him back to be the manager. I think it is insulting to Mets fans that they brought Edwin Diaz back. Edwin Diaz was so, so bad. And the thing is, is that you see a lot of people that aren't watching this team day in and day out. They're like, oh, well, you know, he was still hitting 99 on the gun last year. Because, yeah, it wasn't a physical thing. It was just completely mental with this guy. Uh, He was terrible in the exhibition game against the Yankees. Again, I understand it was an exhibition game. But I, I do think that some guys just can't handle New York. Uh, I think he's one of these guys. We've seen this time and time again where guys come here, they can't handle New York. And it very rarely gets better in year two. I mean, look at your Jason Bays and Roberto Alomars. I know those are position players and not pitchers. Those are just the first two names that came to mind right now. But usually when these guys come here and can't handle New York, it, it you know the, the situation just exacerbates itself in year two and doesn't I, get better. I just want to uh, say, hope- I, I don't think they should have gotten rid of him. He, we wouldn't have gotten anything for him. He was an elite closer the year before and very good the year before that. Maybe he's not your closer. You have enough guys who can close. Maybe you put him in the seventh inning or the eighth inning and he's, he's just fine. He's 26 years old. Maybe he just had a bad year. Let's, let's see what happens. There's a new coaching staff. It's no Mickey Callaway. I wouldn't have gotten rid of him. I hope you're right. I've just, it's not something I am excited about. I am not excited to see Edwin Diaz pitch because the first time they bring him into a game, I'm just going to be super nervous about it. But uh, anyways, that wraps up our uh, three things we're both excited and not excited about this season. So, uh, Adam, you've prepared the uh, the prop bets. Uh, Give me prop bet number one. So there's already been two injuries um, this week. Uh, Syndergaard's out, so my head was very much thinking about injuries. So a lot of these are very much injury-related. So the first one, uh, number of games that Jed Lowry plays. So I set the over-under at 1.5. Justin, do you want to take the over on that or the under on that? So since you put it as number of games he will appear in, I am going to actually take the over. Because if you had asked me how many games he had played in last year, I probably would have said zero. And the actual answer to that was nine. So I, I do think that there is a, definitely a situation where 
he gets healthy late in the season and he comes in as like a pinch hitter, maybe in like three games late in the season, something like that. So I'm taking the slight over. How about you? I'm going to take the under. You think he's going to appear in a game and not get hurt? I think he makes it in two games this year. I don't think he'll get two hits, but I think he will at least appear. Now, you just said appearances. This could be that he comes in in like the ninth inning of a blowout and plays second base for an inning. I don't think we ever see Jed Lowry again. All right. so uh, He's got a massive brace on his leg. This was this was some sort of scheme by his former uh, agent to get him some money before he retired. This is, The whole thing smells bad. All right, next one. Um, so number of players on the DL at one time. I set the over-under to eight. So this is non-COVID related. I don't want to be rooting for anyone to get COVID. I don't want it to be part of a, a bet. Um, this is just like a non-COVID injury. You're going to take the over or the under on eight players in the DL at once. Um... I'm going to be ballsy here, and I'm going to take the push. I think I think that'll be the high number. I think it will be exactly eight. That, I was really proud of that. It felt like it was it was right. I feel like 1.5, I probably should have, should have set that Larry over under a little higher. Um, but eight, it felt right. I'm actually probably going to take the over on this. You go one year with a lot of injuries, it's an outlier. So many years now that the Mets have had injuries. At some point, it's the organization's fault for not taking care of their players. I'm going to go over. And in this short sprint of a season with very few days off and with these guys not having a ton of time to get ready for the season, uh, yeah, you could see a lot of injuries. I hope we're wrong and that the team is awesome, but uh, it's, it's not something you can t- really be that optimistic about as a Mets fan. I will also say, if this is your first time listening, I'm being very negative. Um, usually, I'm not quite this negative. Before the Mets season last year, Justin was much more down on the Mets. I actually thought that they were going to be a very good team. Um, and they almost made the playoffs, so I was right last year. So I'm not always this down on our teams, but I'm really, that injury to Stroman's really set, set me for a loop. All right, so the last thing, um, who's going to be second on the team in homers? So I, I think we both believe that Alonzo's going to be first, and I don't even really want to entertain a universe where Alonzo's not first in home runs. So I have five names there. Um, I didn't, like, like set, like, a... Say Cespedes was like the favorite or Davis was second. I just put them all out there. We could discuss who we think is going to be second. So you got Cespedes, Davis, Conforto, Smith, and McNeil. Last In the last full season Cespedes played, he had 31 home runs. Davis last year had 22. Conforto had 33. Smith, Dominic Smith, had 11 home runs uh, last year, but he played less than half the at-bats of everyone else on the list. So he, he could actually hit a home run. He hits them pretty frequently. And then McNeil had 23. What do you think, Justin? Uh, I'm going. I'm going Cespedes here. Um, we've seen contract year Cespedes. Contract year Cespedes hits home runs. Uh, I don't. I don't see any reason to. I mean, actually, there's plenty of reasons that he might not. But um, uh, I'm going to go with Cespedes here. I think I know where you're going. But where are you going with this? Oh, I don't. I, I haven't really thought about that much. I just. I wouldn't pick Cespedes. I think you got to take into account that he's not going to play every single day, and things can happen. And we, even if he's good, he's probably going to regress a little bit. I, I would take Conforto. I've always liked Conforto. I liked him from the moment they drafted him. I thought like the, the second that they drafted him, he projected as a plus hitter. Uh, he's, I think, actually underperformed what they expected, even though he's been excellent. He's dealt with injuries his whole career, by all accounts. He's healthy. I believe he's in a contract year. I think they're going to have to pay him this year or next year. Uh, so uh, I believe I, Conforto has one more. I believe he's a free agent after 2021 yeah that's coming up real real quick he needs yeah, to put true. up so i i also just i just really like him so i'm hoping that yeah. he's second on, on the team in home runs though i wouldn't be surprised if uh jd davis took a big step i was step just forward gonna say that I'm, especially because jd davis 
He uh, he was on the bench a lot last year. It seems the team's committed to letting him play left field every day. They and should be. He every... was freaking awesome last year. What did he hit, like 312 last I'm year? I'm going to look it up. I remember when they, they traded for him. Like, oh, you're trading with the Astros for one of their bad players. Nice job. He was freaking awesome. And no one really yeah. is talking about J.D. Davis. He, he was like almost like all-star level last year. I mean, our best moment at City Field last year—that was the JD Davis. We went to that del- we went to uh, that game against the Marlins. JD Davis had the game winning. JD Davis is awesome. I mean, definitely, uh, I think it's definitely in the discussion for best uh, move that Brody has made so far was bringing in JD Davis. Uh, JD Davis is really young. He's uh, he can really really hit. Uh, a lot to like about him. You don't um, think the Jed Lowry contract was the best move, or uh, trading away one of the best outfield pro- or trading away one of the best outfield prospects in baseball for Edwin Diaz and the contract that is uh, Cano? That wasn't good. Justin. And, and how about or or how about the? I mean, the Stroman trade looks great now too. I I like I still mm-hmm. like that trade. Stroman's really good. Maybe they get a discount on him because he's hurt. Um, Interesting point. He is a hometown guy, and yeah, he. I, I a love the He takes a one-year discount and bets on himself in 2021. Well, maybe you sign him good to point. a long... I mean, the, the baseball's going to be down revenue. Maybe the Mets are willing to they get someone to come in and buy them, is willing to spend some money. Maybe they give him a contract that's not, like, doesn't totally break the bank. Uh, he's he's young. He's good. There's I, I really... I love that trade. And at that moment, they didn't know what their rotation would look like the year after. And in, in a different universe, you know, Syndergaard mm-hmm. goes down and Stroman doesn't, and he ends up you know, being really good and keeps that rotation afloat. I, I, I stand by that trade. Um, okay, good. All, all good points. Um, so one thing that just came across uh, the ticker, I mean, look at this. Uh, breaking, You're breaking uh, news all over the place. Breaking news on a podcast is that apparently the owners are actually considering voting, and they would have to do this before tonight's Yankee, uh, Yankee National game. So they don't have a lot of time, but apparently they're actually considering voting on expanding the playoffs from 10 to uh, 16 teams and putting in eight teams per league. If that happens... Everything um, changes. Uh, everything changes. And everything so much changes. of what we've been saying uh, is different because, I mean, you talk about eight out of 15 teams getting in. I mean, the Mets could be like 28 and 32 and make the playoffs. They're definitely one happens. of the eight best teams in the National League. This is a very good team from top to bottom. Um, we're down on them because they had two of their best pitchers go down already, but... If they could go four weeks and stay like at 500, they get Stroman back and still make the playoffs, watch yeah. out. They could be good. And hey, they yeah. could also, they have some depth. They could trade a Dominic Smith for a pitcher. They could, there's, there's some players that they could move if they're Although, looking to make a run. The only thing I would say is I do think that this is probably their team because given what's going on in this country with uh, COVID-19 and... Uh, trying to keep people safe. I, I do think that you will see very, very few trades and just teams I agree not with wanting that. to move players. So the teams are going to be playing each other. So they're going to be exposed to other teams. You're allowed to trade players who are on your active roster. Um, I don't I don't see why they wouldn't look to move someone to upgrade, particularly if they're willing to compete. This is a team that could win the title, right? There's, they, they could they win could. the World Series. This absolutely could. It's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. And I think that's about the most positive thing we could say about the Mets is that uh, the season starts tomorrow for them. Uh, ho- well, I guess they usually say hope springs eternal, but I guess this hope summer eternal because uh, oh, just the season. <laughs> All right, I, th- I think we should go. We're excited for Mets baseball tomorrow, and uh, this—I mean, of the three teams we root for, 
this is the team in the best spot right now. I think this 60-game sprint of a season is going to be fun. I hope it's fun. And uh, let's just try to enjoy it. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy Mets baseball. And then we'll come at you probably early next week to break down what we see in the first couple games. Thanks for listening. Um, Give us a rating review or send us an email letting us know what you think. We appreciate your feedback. We're trying to get better. And uh, hope to share our love slash hatred for these three teams with you for a long time. All right, have a good one, everyone.